Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Student Reviewed Scootcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Scoot and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, pop culture, entertainment, technology, and more. I am joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. You can also catch our game reviews at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, which is a network of newspapers. I believe it's like 11 or 12 papers now in 21 or 22 markets that carry our reviews. And you can also catch me on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM, as well as partners such as Sci-Fi Radio, Open Critic, Smash Bomb, N4G, and uh, so many more that cover our works. And of course, we have our quarterly magazine. We just put out the new issue. So it's been pretty busy. We've had a lot of travel, and for once, we actually have a fairly normal week ahead, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And of course, I always say fairly normal week ahead with the caveat that the next few days, I am personally backed up with all kinds of film reviews, including one movie that is over three, uh, roughly three and a half hours long. So that's going to be a fun uh, day at the movies for me, or in this case, evening at the movies. So let's start off with something really quick I just want to mention. It's going to be in our holiday gift guide, but I wanted to give it a heads up because a lot of kids are returning to school uh, for their break, uh, just from their break or about to go on break. Uh, new thing called Gap Watch 3. It's pretty impressive. It's a safe phone kids wear. Uh, goes for $149.99 uh, plus a cellular fan plan, but it is a kids-safe technology, and it really clicked with me because my seven-year-old granddaughter is at the age now where she is saying that she wants a phone, and her parents are like, yeah, we're not quite sure we're there. And all of a sudden, this thing pops on my radar, and I thought, okay, this is actually an interesting idea. It is a device that children can wear that has everything from, like, GPS, uh, emergency contact, parents managed contact, focus mode, all of that good stuff, scheduling. But you cannot put any unsafe apps on it, and you can also use it um, to uh, text to speech and so on, and a keyboard, so it's a great way that they can call and receive calls from their parents, but you can limit it so they can't be on social media, they can't be sending texts that you don't want, that sort of thing. And it looks like a really fantastic option. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. But it's a pretty simple, GABB.com. It's the GapWatch 3, and you'll be able to get some information about that. So, gentlemen, uh, as we were preparing for the show, we got some news about San Diego Comic-Con. First off, they did a very impressive uh, revamp of their website. And um, they're talking about their pricing. We've got the pricing coming out right now that uh, for the preview night for the 2024 year, uh, $59 for adults, $30 for junior, U.S. military, and senior. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, $79 a day, $40 for junior, U.S. military, or senior. And Sundays, $54 and $27 for junior, junior U.S. military, or senior, and of course, as usual, tw children 12 and under are free with a paying adult. Michael, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think that's pretty much on par with where we've been. Um, San Diego Comic Con is always a huge draw. I certainly don't think there's going to be any issues with pricing. I mean, 
those are things that we yeah. kind of, you know, I think most of these people that go there are already accustomed to paying, um, you know, the, the, those kind of prices to go. But it's a great show, and honestly, the, the biggest problem, I think, with SGCC, and we're starting to see with other ones, is just availability, right? Ticket availability, that sort of thing. Um, so I know that for folks who had previous tickets, they'll have the opportunity to win that opportunity to purchase tickets. Um, and then the next week, usually what they do is that for people who are, you know, aren't returning guests or haven't gone, they'll have an opportunity to, to uh, enter that, uh, you know, lottery in, in an in essence to actually get um, an opportunity to buy tickets. But no, I think it's, I think it's good news. This is kind of the time where um, these things start, you know, ramping up. It seems early. It seems like we just had um, SCCC and it started over again, but that's kind of how long it takes for these shows to, to get, you know, scheduled and planned. And Justin, your take. Yeah, no, it's it's good that they're getting this announced uh, kind of early, but um, yeah, I think it's kind of in line with with what we're uh, what we've kind of been expecting, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's uh, what's going to be shown this year, or well, I guess it's for next year. I'm actually very intrigued by this because um, a lot of people said, oh, they're not going to be able to do much with the restrictions that were on them this year with both the writers and the actors being on strike. And I have said many times that they exceeded my expectations. Now, admittedly, my expectations were not the same as what a regular year of the show is. That being said, going in, we were very clear on what the restrictions, what the limitations would be. I thought they stepped up and in many cases knocked it out of the park with some of the creative things that they did, having like Mike Tyson, having Cisco uh, come out and provide a celebrity presence for the group people. They had a lot of activations. They had a lot of people step up from the world of video games, from the world of animation, and they did, I thought, a fantastic job filling the schedule with, I mean, just crazy uh, limitations that were put on them. And let's not forget, uh, what was it, only like two, three weeks before the actual show, the strike hit. So, you know, they, they did a fantastic job with it. I'm very curious to see uh, swinging forward to next, um, this weekend coming up, you have New York Comic Con. Now, we still have the actor strike going on, even though they are continuing to have discussions. They are going to meet again tomorrow uh, as we record this to um, discuss things. But uh, right now, they are limited to directors and writers. But we've already seen a few things, like there's going to be a Star Trek panel. While New York Comic Con may not have the reveals that San Diego does, it's still a pretty big event. And I'm very curious to see what's going to come out of this when they can now have writers available that they could not have uh, before. So that that is a really interesting, um, you know, situation because it's all uncharted territory i think most of us can assume that by next year the actor strike will be resolved i think they're going to come out of this thing absolutely like gangbusters um you know and, and just give people an idea um new york comic-con uh eighty dollars a day and there is no discount on sunday 80 thursday 80 friday 80 Saturday, 80 Sunday is what they are. Now, they are currently um, 
sold out except for Thursday. Uh, but, you know, some people, they do have like some packages like that. I guess the whole argument would be, well, you can get the four-day pass for $233. Uh, but, you know, again, you're also, this is also with the understanding that there's going to be uh, limited availability from actors and actresses. So it'll be curious to see how that plays out. But I think it's a really interesting move that Comic-Con is making all of these changes so up front. Uh, a lot of people say, well, this is very clear that the pre-sales and everything are going to be starting soon. And I just think, you know, top to bottom, this is a really interesting uh, situation. We're going to have some crew at uh, New York Comic Con this weekend, so we'll be looking forward to seeing what they have, what the interviews uh, show up. I, I'm kind of guessing it's going to mainly be animated shows, that sort of thing, but who knows? Well, you know, we'll be there and we'll be ready. Switching over to gaming, Justin, this will be right up your alley, unfortunately. Uh, Alien Blackout, there was an announcement today, a message to our players who have made the hard decision to sunset Alien Blackout. To allow all of our players ample time to finalize their adventure, Alien Blackout will remain available on the App Store, Google Play, and Amazon for the next 30 days, sunsetting on October 31st. After October 31st, all development and support for the game will cease, and the game will no longer be able uh, on the app stores, but will remain playable for anyone that purchased before the sunset day. What do you make of this? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I'm not much of a mobile gamer. I mean, I, obviously, I love the Alien franchise. Uh, for anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time knows that I, I that's, a lot of my background comes with the Alien franchise. But uh, I have not played this particular game, and that's mostly just because I'm not very much of a mobile gamer um but my understanding is that it, the mobile game space can be a little difficult uh to to really get to work well um from my understanding again that's not my area of expertise but uh while some developers have a lot of success with particular mobile games it does seem like it's a it's a difficult space you know you really kind of find this phenomenon in any part of or any genre in the gaming industry where something becomes very popular like a MOBA or um, arena first person shooters or anything and you get a lot of imitators um, and some of which can be successful to, to varying degrees but a lot of them just aren't and if they can't recoup their costs and this is the kind of thing that happens I, I don't think it's really any it, it, there's really much else to read into it uh, we, we did recently get aliens dark descent we did uh we did get dlc for aliens fire team um so i do think that there is still quite a bit of life left in in the alien franchise on the gaming front in fact i i would say that the gaming front has probably been the most lucrative uh or it seems to be the most lucrative at the moment um we do have a, a tv show on the way um and then also a, a movie but uh, at the moment it does seem like most of the focus has been on games and while fire team elite and dark descent uh you know aren't doing triple a numbers it does it for my knowledge it does seem like they've been relatively successful relatively well received so um hopefully this isn't you know a bad sign for the for the this the uh, the series but um i don't i don't necessarily think that it's uh, a bad sign 
per se, but uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, Justin, uh, excuse me, Michael, your, cha- your take on it, please. Yeah, you know what's funny is I just realized that Alien Isolation came out in 2014. That was like nine years ago. Um, That's scary, isn't it? It, it? And the reason I only the only reason I bring that up to Justin's point is um, I know Alien Blackout was kind of a point-and-click adventure that was kind of in the realm of Alien Isolation in the sense that it was a, a horror-based um, adventure game, um, not so much like um, the ones we've seen recently, which are more um, tactical-based or more... Um, multiplayer shooter type based uh, to Justin's point though um, you know, I'm also not a mobile gamer um, as much as I, I you think I, I would be um, you know I'll play I'll play games on, on the move using my you know, um, ROG Ally or my Steam Deck or, or the Switch but when it comes to like iOS games and, and mobile games in general I've just never found one that, that clicked with me um, so I agree I, I hadn't played this either um you know, but, but to Justin's point, I think to, to in general, um, mobile games tend to have, unless they're very successful, I think a lot of mobile games have a pretty short shelf life. Um, you know, people play them because they're on the move or something else, and they and they move on to the next thing. Um, that's not to say you know games like um, you know some some of the more popular puzzle type games and that sort of stuff, like Candy Crush and those types of games, those tend to have a hook that keep people playing. Um, and, and that's more the, like the, the casual game or something that you can pull out and play in you know, a couple of minutes or maybe five or ten minutes. Um, I think the games that are mobile games that are more, that take more time uh, and, you know, to play through, I think those are a little bit harder to, to attract people mainly because, again, it's easy when you pull out a game, you know, you have five minutes at the bus stop or at your, you're at the airport and you're playing uh, you know, ten, uh, 10 minutes here or there when you're getting on a plane or something, that's easier, I think, to hook and drive people in. Uh, I think for games that are more story-based, that are more adventure-based, that are more, you know, driven like that, um, the mobile space, I think, can be really difficult uh, to keep people's interest and, and have to, them dedicate the time. I know for me, that's always been the case, is if I've got a, a mobile game, like maybe I'll play like Star Realms, which is a, board, a card-based uh, board game, um, or something like that, because I could play through it in ten minutes. But any of the more, the, the bigger, uh, you know, mobile games that that are more, you know, traditional game type games, I just have never had an opportunity or really gotten into. Um, but I don't necessarily think this is necessarily saying anything about the Alien franchise itself. I think this is just how mobile gaming is currently. Um, again, they're they're more short lived experiences. Um, people, you know, play something and they move on. Um, and you know, even taking up space on your phone with people getting limited space, you know, it's, it's just hard for the games to sustain any sort of long-term um, effect if it's not a, not a quick game that can hook you and bring you in right away. That's a good way of looking at it. You know, the funny thing is I think for many people, myself included, I found it too much like Five Nights at Freddy's. And, you know, I played it, I got through it, and it was like, okay, now what? And that was just within a few hours. So, it didn't, to me, have a hook of what can I do to keep playing this over and over. I mean, I suppose you could try to do it to have a bigger success rate and that sort of thing. Um, it does lead to the other question. There was some talk the other day about the folks behind the upcoming VR Alien game. And they said that uh, they're using Alien Isolation as an inspiration. So uh, what do you make of that one, Michael? 
Well, now, see, I think the Alien franchise has always been really good for a VR experience. And I believe there was either a, a mod or a demo of Alien Isolation initially for VR. I don't think it was the whole game. I think it was just uh, a subset. I, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I, I looked into that. Um, but I, I personally would have been happy with a full uh, Alien Isolation VR experience. And again, there might be a there might be a mod. And there are other, other ways to to play non-VR games in VR, um, but I'm talking about a true experience where it's actually built and developed for VR, um, as opposed to, you know, playing in VR mode in like movie in movie screen mode where it's kind of like you're watching a movie and playing with a controller. Um, there, there are again, there are ways to do things in VR like this, but I think a game that's built from the ground up as a VR experience in the Alien franchise, I think, is you know an awesome and missed opportunity at this point. Uh, because I, I think VR would be a really, VR tends to be really good with horror games. Um, we've seen um, that is true with some of the Resident Evil games. Um, so I think this is a, a, honestly a really good opportunity to to really bring that sense of fear and 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 uh, you know, I don't want to say isolation because that sounds derivative of the, the the game that they're modeling it after, but really just kind of brings that that sense of fear and um, you know and what's around the corner, and I think, again, VR is a great experience for that. It is indeed, and it'll be very, very interesting to see what comes from that. Justin, do you have a take on all that? No, for sure. I mean, that was one... I'd say Alien Isolation in VR would would be like the one... Okay. Oh, sorry. So... I was muted for a second. Um, oh. Yeah, my bad. Uh, Alien Isolation in VR it would be like the one killer app that... Uh, and I know that they're... they're you could pretty much play it, but it wasn't really built uh, from the ground up for it. But if there was a, a ground up VR alien isolation game, uh, that would be a killer app that I would, I would go out. I don't have a VR headset, but I definitely would, would go get one for that. Um, that's, that's really, and to, to Michael's point too, it, the, uh, something that occurred to me when Michael was speaking, I really think horror games in particular, really benefit from the setting in which you play them so i just cannot imagine myself playing uh you know a horror a survival horror game and really enjoying it you know uh out and about like sitting in a in an airport or something and playing it on my phone a horror game is really a part of the you know the experience is to really get into the setting and really get into the, the atmosphere of the game um so uh, it just it's one of those uphill battles i think for a game like alien or alien isolation that I, the the manner in which you play it the where you play it and how you play it i think actually matters quite a bit um so something like a, a vr experience i really think goes a long way for a horror game because a lot of it is in the atmosphere so you know if they're able to dump you basically in a abandoned colony in vr uh, and you don't know where the aliens are and the uh, the motion trackers pinging and all of that. I think that is a absolutely great experience that's really difficult to translate into something that's on a mobile device. Absolutely. And it's funny you mention horror because we got a thing, oh, just yesterday saying that uh, Dread XP, who make a lot of independent horror games, are going to be hosting a live stream on October 19th. Uh, which will be featuring independent horror game showcases from independent developers and publishers. And so they've got everyone from Atari to Anapura to Night Dive to Raw Fury. Um, 
you know, Wired Productions, lots of various companies are going to be, and that's Ziggurat, that's just a small sample size, and so it'll be interesting to see what they are going to be talking about. Now, on the happier side of the Aliens universe, we're hearing a lot of rumors that Aliens is about to be announced as a 4K release. So, Justin, what do you think about this? Uh, great. Um, I, I would definitely, I own, I own aliens now three times. I would own it again on 4k. Um, absolutely. And I think hopefully they're going to take the, the recent work from James Cameron, uh, that he made. It's probably been gosh, like eight or nine years since he did that. But, uh, the last time that he went through, I think it was for the anthology, and touched up the, uh, the visuals, I, I think it ended up looking incredible. So hopefully they use that version, and I, I'd definitely be right there to, to buy it day one. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, one thing I will say about James Cameron is he does, he puts a lot of effort into these releases. These are not simply um, upscaling the, the Blu-ray to 4K and then releasing it. I mean, you get the uncompressed sound, um, I'm a I'm a home theater enthusiast, so I'm always I, I prefer the discs versus streaming and and other stuff when I can get them in 4K because not only do you get the the visuals, but you also get the uncompressed audio, which is something you don't that doesn't really translate good when you're using um, compressed streaming. You can't you can't really stream it in a compressed stream. You can't really stream uncompressed audio and again for those who are. Um, aren't running a, a you know huge home theater system they don't care but for me i do um and the other thing about this is i'm hoping this means that we're getting closer to an abyss release now the abyss was never even released on blu-ray and it's something that's been um james cameron has been kind of working through his set of um films and, and giving them the proper treatment so i'm hoping with the news that we're going to get a 4k release of aliens that we're going to start hearing something about a 4K release of The Abyss. Because, again, that's maybe not one of his most well-known movies and maybe not one that everybody loves. But um, it's one that, you know, again, has never been released on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD, but I, I really would love to see that in 4K. I think that would be an amazing um, movie as well. So I'm hoping that means that we're starting to get more um, James Cameron releases in the 4K streaming, uh, the 4K format overall. You know, what's funny is this whole thing came about basically by a rumor that The Abyss was soon to be announced to be released, and that became, oh yeah, well, Disney is uh, getting involved with um, various releases, and they're talking about the fact that, of course, as you know, they got their um, lot of talk about the... Um, Mandalorian and shows like that are getting Blu-ray releases. Well, it was the craziest thing. So we're sitting here being told that the Abyss is coming, the Abyss is coming, an announcement is coming very soon, and then we get, oh, yeah, by the way, Aliens is apparently going to be uh, coming because it was registered. And then the next day we hear, oh, um, it looks like Titanic and True Lies are also getting the 4K treatment. So I'm like, okay, works for me. I don't don't hear a problem with any of that. So it'll be very interesting to see. And of course, uh, we'll see what the future holds beyond that. But that will be really, really interesting news. So 
today we got the news that the long-rumored Sony PlayStation 5 Slim is going to be available in November. Uh, it apparently is going to have the same processing levels, but it'll be reduced in volume by more than 30%, and the, vault, the weight is down for 18% on the one model and 24% on the other. It will contain one terabyte of storage, and um, you will also have the option to buy the um, HD version or the digital version, and apparently the digital version is claiming that at a later date there will be a um, HD Blu-ray device that could be added on. Uh, one, that's the current PS5s are sold out. This will be the only model that is going to be available, and they are going to have the current pricing of $499 and $449. It will come with a horizontal stand, uh, but there will also be a new stand available for all models at $29.99. It will come in a variety of colors, including uh, start, which will start in 2024. You can get the matte black, the red, the blue, the silver uh, that we've seen at CES and such. So, Mike, to start us off, what do you think about this? So, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was kind of hoping when they went to the slim version, they were going to change up the design and, and stuff. Um, I, I've never been a huge fan of how the PlayStation 5 looks, and I'm really not a huge fan of how you have to um, set it up horizontally. I think the horizontal stand is horrible that it's included with, and I don't really have the room to store it vertically. Uh, one, one thing I do think is pretty cool, though, is that you can add the um, Blu-ray disc after the fact, but it will cost you, if you buy the, the disc version, it's $4.99, but the upgrade's going to cost you 80 bucks. and since this, the digital edition is now $4.49 instead of $3.99, if you upgrade later, you're actually paying $20 more than if you just bought the, the Blu-ray version in the first place. Again, um... You know, I don't know if there's a lot of people who bought the digital edition saying, oh, gosh darn, I wish I would bought the um, disc version. But I would say that you're, if, you're, if you think that's going to be an option, it's better off, you're better off paying the extra 50 bucks now than paying the extra 80 bucks later. Um, that being said, the digital edition has gone up. It was $399. Now it's $449.99 uh, versus $499 for the, the Blu-ray version. So that $50, I think... I think if, if again, I, if the, if people want to buy the Blu-ray, I, I think they're going to spend the extra fifty bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it looks just like the PS5. It's just thinner. Um, I guess that's the whole the whole slim part. I do worry whenever we do slim things. The PS5 already is notoriously runs hot. Um, it's significantly louder than say the Xbox Series X. Um, cooling has always been kind of an issue with it. Um, my my. One, original one from Sony uh, overheated and died within three hours of it being on. Um, the, the, they fixed it, quote unquote fixed it, um, and it's been, I haven't had an issue, knock on wood. But when we go slim and we use the same, we use the same um, components, now I'm starting to wonder what they took out to slim it down and cooling heat pipes, uh, you know, the heat pipes, there, there was already some concern. When they re when they with the release of the new PlayStation Five, which was only new from an internals perspective, but they had cut away some of the um, heat pipes on that already. Uh, so when we're talking the slim, I, I again I worry where 
when I hear when I hear things like on the PlayStation Five, like it's lighter and it's thinner, but we're using the same components. Now I start wondering, what's the heat dissipation like? Um, is it what's the noise level going to be like? Um, and are we, are there going to be overheating problems, or have they done something to resolve that? Um, again, you know, the slim version. I think none of us are surprised about it. Um, it's more of a cost-cutting measure than it is a space-saving measure, particularly with how the PlayStation 5 is designed. Being thinner is not going to save you any space vertically, and is not going to save you any place for any space horizontally. It will save you a little thinness. So I guess if you have it in a, a bookshelf, you can lower that shelf a little bit. Uh, but again, I, I uh, for the same price, I do worry from a cooling perspective, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, overall, again, looks the same. Um, slim is, is rel relative. It doesn't, again, doesn't save you any space vertically or horizontally, um, but thickness-wise, it will save you a little space there. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, Michael's completely right. That's exactly where my mind went, too, is that, it, to me, that doesn't seem like the move is, you know, giving... I guess in the short term, it actually is giving uh, consumers more choice because the the current model is obviously still available until it sells out. But eventually, they, as as you mentioned, Gareth, at least pushing out the old model, and this will be the only one you can get. But my where my mind went uh, exactly is with with uh, heat distribution. Um, we do know that a lot of the modern consoles do uh, have uh, some issues handling heat. Uh, just makes sense with the very large processor, a powerful processor that these consoles have, and their relatively small <clears throat> space, um, internal space to deal with uh, with with all of the heat generation. Um, so, Michael's exactly right. This really seems more like a cost cutting measure. Try to kind of get a little bit more efficient on the materials, uh, maybe cut costs just a little bit per per console. Um, but we'll have to see how, how it performs. Maybe it's fine. I mean, I know way back in the day when they released the PS3 Slim, um, I ended up having to get one because I had major issues with um, the uh, the initial version that they released. Or was it... I, I, I'm getting them maybe mixed up between PS3 and PS2, but um, one, of the, one of those generations, I ended up getting the Slim model, uh, but I'll... I had basically both at one point, but the initial model that released had major issues, and then I ended up getting the slim model. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and that the slim model ended up performing very well and lasted me a very long time. So maybe we'll we'll get lucky and and everything will will work out in this regard. Um, but uh, we'll have to kind of see just with how it performs. I, I think Michael's definitely right. It uh, I, I think it's being advertised as as a benefit. Uh, and I, I guess it is if, if you uh, if if you um, hold it up basically in the specific way where it's uh, actually reducing size. But uh, if if you have it horizontally, I don't think it's going to really do do you much anything. Yeah, it does make you wonder. Um, it, it's interesting because I'm kind of of the opinion that. I'm happy with the original one that I got. I'm happy I got the HD drive on it. It's been fantastic with reviewing some of the DVDs I got, including the uh, you know the recent Babylon 5, The Road Home. Being able to pop it into the HD drive has been uh, very convenient for me. I've not had a problem uh, with anything on it. And so 
I look at that and go, why? You know, if you don't already have one, okay, great. But, you know, uh, I've accepted that it is the size and configuration it is. I really don't care if it's going to be a little slimmer or a little uh, lighter. It's sitting on the shelf underneath the TV, and it's uh, perfectly fine there, and that's where it's going to spend its uh, time. And so I just don't see the need. In fact, you know, I've been reading along uh, some of the comments, and a lot of people are saying, yeah, I, I don't see the need for it. You know, and if they come up with a pro version that's enhanced and stuff like that, um, great, let's go ahead and do that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how many people are sitting out there going, yeah, I really want a PS5. I really want a PS5, but I'm going to wait until I get a thinner version. And, oh, yeah, I'll go and pay $50 more than I can get it for right now for the full-size version. It just doesn't quite make sense to me but you know that's that's how it is go figure uh wanted to hit up a couple of rumors real quick before we wrapped up and the last one will be a discussion topic uh first off we've heard news that gen v uh which is the boys spinoff which is very enjoyable on prime video uh they have not had an official confirmation of a second season yet but the show's creators have already uh, started a writer's room for it, especially now with the, uh, as of the other day, the uh, the uh, agreement between the studios and the writers was accepted uh, uh, overwhelmingly. They only had 90 people vote against it and thousands uh, vote for it. And I was kind of curious about what the other 90 people wanted, but then I realized some of the elections that I've been involved with with unions there's always somebody that no matter what the deal is always says, nope, we could be getting better and votes against it. Uh, you know, go figure. Uh, people have their reasons. But it'll be interesting to see. They're starting to script like crazy, as we said. They are beginning to, they're doing more and more talks, which we've been told have been cordial and positive with the actors. So hopefully something will be resolved soon. And out of that comes this little nugget that I thought we'd uh, close with today. So a um, little bit of shuffling going on with the Marvel releases. Uh, the Marvels is coming next month. They have announced uh, pre-sale on tickets has started. We've got um, various Marvel shows. We've got Loki going on right now on Disney+. Plus. People are kind of wondering, when are we going to see Echo? When are we going to see Daredevil? Well, Daredevil's got to have uh, more filming done, and that means the strike's got to end. When are we going to see Agatha? That sort of thing. Well, apparently, uh, based on a copyright filing for the upcoming Ironheart series, uh, many people are saying that there is indeed a confirmation that Sasha Baron Cohen is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, Marvel apparently registered the series last month and the confirmation that Cohen will be appearing in it as, quote, Mystery Man, uh, which many have said is just a placeholder. Uh, the rumor is that he's going to be playing Mephisto, and we will be seeing him taking on the demonic character uh, when, uh, you know, filming's able to resume, because the deadline report, oh, ages ago from last year, indicated he was likely going to be playing the character. And, of course, uh, lots of interesting stuff. So we'll start with uh, Justin. What do you make of this? 
That's interesting. Um, I don't know a lot about the character specifically, other than I I know that he's involved with the very, very, very controversial Spider-Man plotline from the comics that I highly doubt that they would ever touch. But you never know. Um, Other than that, I'm I'm not really super familiar with with Mephisto as a character, um, so I don't have a large large frame of reference to, to... say whether or not Sasha Barry Cohen is a good choice but I think he's a he's definitely a very interesting figure I, I, it's hard to say actor because he doesn't that's not really his uh his normal mode uh he does make movies but and I guess you could say he acts in them but they're they're kind of a different beast than like a traditional acting role um but so I, I'm curious to see what he will bring to to the MCU and, and how they'll pull that off. And Michael, your take. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with Justin. I'm not very familiar with the character either, although I think he does seem to make a lot of appearance in, in Spider-Man um, comics and Spider-Man um, shows and that sort of thing. Um, so, so yeah, I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to uh, having new characters i think again marvel's shown us and the mcu has shown us that they can take obscure or lesser known characters and, and bring them front and center and, and, and give them a an audience so yeah i'll be curious to see what they what, what they do with this and where the where the plot line falls with utilizing this character yeah it is going to be very very interesting because it does seem like uh they've got a lot of clever options available to them but the question is going to be which one do they decide to take folks that is going to do it for us this week i hope everybody has a very safe uh time ahead i know next week we have a very interesting show uh ahead because i will be taking off at the end of the week to hop on a three-day disney cruise so we'll be giving you some uh, really interesting stuff uh that we're going to record before i leave so until then take care and be safe